Good morning, everyone. Nice to see you. We're going to be continuing with our wonderful series on Moses. I'm sad we're coming to the end of it now because uh, we've been tracking with Moses since he was a baby, where his mother hid him in the bulrushes. Then he was drifted along up into the palace and was found and raised as an Egyptian. Then he was killed a <coughs> an Egyptian and he fled Egypt, lived in Midian, gets married, God speaks to him, calls him, then sends him back to Egypt. There's lots to remember now. <laughs> Try not to look at my notes. <laughs> this is the brain test. <laughs> and then he's back and forth to Pharaoh to let God's people go. Pharaoh refuses time and time again. Then he says go. Then he changes his mind. And we went through the nine plagues. And Sarah spoke last week on the final and most devastating plague. And that wasn't even a plague. It was the death of the firstborn of the Egyptians, which was really, really sad because of Pharaoh's hardened, stubborn heart. And so now Pharaoh has finally let the Israelite nation leave Egypt. And so this is where we're picking up our story today. And we're looking at the escape through the Red Sea, one of the most magnificent and miraculous miracles in the whole Bible. And we're going to see what we can pick up along the way to take and to apply into our own lives today. So Moses and the Israelites appear trapped. Pharaoh once again hardens his heart. And yet we see God providing a way of escape through the waters. And we find this account in Exodus chapter 12, chapter 13 through to 15. There's a lot of text. I'm just going to be putting portions of it up <clears throat> and paraphrasing as we go along today. But I really do encourage you to read this in its fullness in your own time. I like to plug my earphones on and listen to the Bible. And I go for a walk so there's no more distractions. And just listening to it drop into your heart and your brain it's just absolutely amazing, isn't it? And I know for a lot of us, we've heard these stories growing up, but when you actually listen to it and what actually happened to have lived through some of these experiences is truly miraculous. So today is all about the Exodus. And so here we have Moses and the huge Israelite community, which we are told is approximately 2 million people, 600,000 men plus women and children, plus all of their livestock and possessions. So when you consider Swansea has a population of approximately 316,000, can you do the maths? That's a lot of people to manoeuvre and uh, take out of Egypt towards a new uh, life. <clears throat> and so in verse 37 of chapter 12, it tells us about these people leaving Egypt. And that is where we get the saying, a mass exodus from Yes? As you, have you ever tried to organize a family on a Sunday morning out of the house to get to church on time? It's like a mass exodus, we used to say with our three. It's like a mass exodus trying to get to church on time by the time you've remembered everything. Okay, so in chapter 13, in verse 17, when Pharaoh finally let the people go, God did not lead them along the main road, the quickest route, the fastest way, he led them through the Philistine territory. And even though that was not the shortest route to the promised land, God said if the people are faced with a battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. 
So God led them in a roundabout way through the wilderness toward the Red Sea. And there is a huge point here for us. God doesn't always work in the way that we want or seems best to us. Instead of guiding us on a straight route, he kind of takes us sometimes the long way around, not just the direct route from Egypt to the promised land. He took them on the longest route to avoid fighting the Philistines. And there are times and things in our life where God does not lead us along the easiest path to a goal. And sometimes we can resist and complain, as I know I do, but learning to follow him willingly and trusting in him to lead us around something unseen with obstacles can really test our faith. And it's not until you sometimes look back and you think and realize that he knew best. He sees the end of the journey from the beginning. We don't. And we also learn an awful lot along the way. And so here they have a little wilderness detour. They, have, uh, they leave Succoth and camp at Etham, and it says the Lord went ahead of them. He guided them during the day with a pillar of cloud, and we all know this story, and he provided light at night with a pillar of fire. Now, I think these manifest sort of experiences of like God with his people in a physical way are really amazing. And there's a word for this, and it's theophany. And it's the sort of um, theological word used for when God's manifest physical forms and is with his people, and that is what the word is known as. And it's amazing, isn't it? Do you sometimes wish God would just write something in the sky of something to do and where to go and how to solve this when life presents some of its kind of difficult situations or challenges to us? And this kind of gave the Israelite nation, God's people and Moses, the sort of assurance that he was with them and he was leading them <clears throat> in their sort of uncertain and uncharted territory. And this asks the question, I guess, for us, what has God given us so that we can have the assurance, the same assurance that he is with us and guiding us on our journeys, sometimes into uncharted territory? And I suppose when we consider what they didn't have, we have the Bible, the book, the great word, you know, God's living word. And we have all of the stories and the faithfulness of God to kind of learn from and look back on and be, and that is really assuring. And also, like Sarah said last week, we have the Holy Spirit when we choose to give our lives to God and live with God and we live obediently and we invite him into our lives. We have the living Holy Spirit within us. And sometimes we just need to be listening and open and reading and willing and obedient and following the Holy Spirit in our lives. And that really gives us assurance that God is with us too. In chapter 14, verses 1 to 3, it says, Then the Lord gave these instructions to Moses to order the Israelites to turn back and camp by, now Naomi got an app up last night of how to pronounce all these difficult place names in the Bible. So here we go. Fahahiroth, okay? Between Migdal and the sea camp. And so they were to camp there along the shore across from Baal Zephath. Then Pharaoh <clears throat> will think the Israelites are confused. They are trapped in the wilderness. And so meanwhile, in verse five, 
when word reached the king of Egypt, the Israelites had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds again. What have we done letting all of these slaves get away? And so Pharaoh harnesses up his chariots and he calls up the troops, taking 600 of the best chariots along with the rest of the chariots in Egypt. And off they go. And in verse 9, it says, The Egyptians caught up with the people of Israel as they were camped beside the shore near Piaharioth. And in verse 10, as Pharaoh approached the people of Israel, they looked up and panicked when they saw the Egyptians. Wouldn't you panic too, thinking, oh, here he goes again. He's changed his mind. He wasn't really letting us go. He was trapping us. <clears throat> and they cried out to the Lord and said to Moses, why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. Poor Moses. Do you really feel sorry for this guy? I mean, poor chap. <clears throat> you know, two million people all having a go at you at the same time. This would be like, oh, really stressful. Okay, verse 14. But Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. Stay calm. I love that. And you know, for some of us here this morning watching online, we just need to hear that today. Yeah? We just need to hear from the word of God, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. Just stay calm. Phew. <clears throat> so the Egyptians were bearing down on the helpless Israelites who were trapped between the mountains and the sea. The war chariots, each carrying two people, one to fight and one to steer, driving ferociously, ready to kind of get them. They were the armored tanks of Bible times. So they were trapped and the Israelites faced the Egyptians sweeping in for the kill, and they thought they were doomed. I really feel for Moses here, but I really feel for the people too. I mean, poor Moses, did he ask for this job? You know, he did not ask for this job. Imagine trying to lead and steer and encourage and keep the chins up of all these people during a crisis to help them to focus on God, to stay calm, to keep trusting in him. Again, after what they had all just experienced and witnessed in Egypt, how, how quick do we forget sometimes? And for the Israelite people, hadn't they been through enough? How arduous, hard labor, generation after generation, with no hope of a future, a better life, and now this, they're going to be plunged into the sea to drown, or be killed by the Egyptian soldiers. And this is where they are moaning, grumbling, and complaining begins, which, as we know, would become a major problem for them in the future. And so we cannot pass this section without a little teaching point on moaning, grumbling, and complaining. Here we go. And this is to myself as well, because I've got a PhD in it sometimes. <laughs> so, who knows a person or people who love to complain, they love to grumble, and they love to vent. <clears throat> I do, and like I said, I'm actually quite good at it sometimes. Who knows that person in your office that you sit across from 
always grumbling, always complaining about something. Maybe it's a pupil or one of your students. Maybe it's a relative or two, or maybe it's even you. <laughs> Don't you just love them? There's an elderly guy who lives down the road from us, and I love him to bits, and he's so funny, he's comical, and we always have a little chat. And when you chat to him, he'll have a little complain about uh, you know, the weather, then he'll have a little grumble about the government, <laughs> then he'll mourn about his aches and pains, and then in the next breath, he goes, well, there we are, there's no point mourning. <laughs> and I think I've just listened to you mourn for 10 minutes, but there's no point in mourning, but he'll do, he'll do it anyway. <laughs> it's really funny, isn't it? Okay, so, but in all seriousness, it is quite unpleasant to be around someone who habitually complains and grumbles a lot of the time, and it can be quite exhausting. We need our energy and resources for all of the things God is calling us to do in our lives and for the things that he wants us to do. But complaining can really diminish our energy. And so what can we do as Christians instead of complaining if we have a little habit sometimes of ascending or descending into complaining and grumbling habitually about something that we can't do anything about to people because sometimes it can really get a hold of us and we don't even know how else to communicate apart from grumbling and moaning and complaining. So let's see what the Bible says about it. So we're going to look at the New Testament quickly at Philippians chapter 2 verse 14. <clears throat> Do everything without complaining and arguing. Oh, that's easy, isn't it? Do everything without complaining and arguing. So there we are. <laughs> this week, <laughs> that seems straightforward enough, doesn't it? So if we believe the Bible, let's put it into practice. I know I need to. So let's see if this week when we've got to like, uh, you know, just put our pajamas on and we've run out of milk and we've got to go to the shop in the rain or we've got to yet do another school run in the pouring rain or we've got to make that phone call to that annoying company where you can't speak to a human being, you just want to get something sorted or when there's that annoying person you've got to run an errand for, that family member you've got to, you've got to go and visit. Let's see if we can sometimes flip the switch and do things and do everything without complaining grumbling, venting, or arguing. And so I suppose it's kind of like protecting our complaining buttons, isn't it? And being sort of reminded by the Holy Spirit of how we respond to people and situations. It is a big thing and it is human nature, but sometimes we just need to challenge ourselves and think, oh, am I complaining and grumbling a lot about something lately? How can I change the record? Well, with God's help, we can. Okay, I also know lots of people who will grumble and complain and run down their partners to anyone, their friends, their people in work, and sometimes they'll, you know, run them down negatively and complain and grumble about their, their partners or their spouses. Well, she's always this and he's always that and he never does this and she never forgets, she always forgets and this, this and this. And I, I know that we can all get on people's nerves sometimes and I know nobody's perfect and everyone has their faults and annoying habits, but flaunting someone else's habits and sort of weaknesses to others is really not very helpful in any relationship or edifying at all, is it? And recently I've realised some of the extent of my behaviours. I've kind of reached an age of maturity now where I can look back and I think me and Adam, we've just celebrated 30 years of marriage, so we've got a a pearl under our belt, which is quite amazing. And I know that I can be quite high maintenance and hard work at times and annoying to live with because I know I've got to live with myself 24-7. <coughs> but I know that Adam is very patient 
and kind. <clears throat> and I know that he will tease and we'll mess about a bit, but I know he will not sit in a serious conversation with people running me down or flaunting all my flaws. And I think it's important that we protect one another and we protect our families and our spouses and our partners and that we speak highly of one another and we, we speak in edifying ways about one another and we don't wear our sort of dirty laundry on our sleeves for everyone to see, but that we are, you know, godly in our conversation and in our relationships and we protect and love and esteem each other in appropriate ways. And so, back to Moses. <laughs> so, with this bunch of hostile, whining, and despairing lot, Moses has a positive attitude. When it seemed they were trapped, he calls upon God to intervene. And there, we're going to look now at the escape through the Red Sea. So, in verse 16, Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the people to get moving. Pick up your staff and raise your hand over the sea. Divide the water so the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground. In verse 21, then Moses raised his hand over the sea and the Lord opened up a path through the water. With a strong east wind, the wind blew all night, turning the seabed into dry land. So the people of Israel walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground with walls of water on each side. And so all the Egyptian armies and chariots were swept into the sea, but the Israelites were rescued. Woo! Come on, let's clap and cheer. Woohoo! How amazing is this? This is incredible. They thought they were doomed, and yet God has rescued them. And when they say they saw this mighty power that the Lord had unleashed the Egyptians, they were in awe before him. And they put their faith in the Lord and in his servant, finally, Moses. Wow, it's an amazing story. And so what can we take from this account from Bible history for our lives today? Well, these examples of God being with his people are preserved for us to learn and know that we can trust in him by following and also remembering the past faithfulness of God. We can face our futures and live our lives with hope and confidence rather than fear and complaining. Now, we may never be chased by an army, but we may still find ourselves in seasons or situations where we feel trapped. For me, it's learning not to give in to despair, but to adopt Moses' attitude to stand still and watch the Lord do and rescue what we cannot do ourselves about something. And at the same time, to take action when there is a place and a time to take action. In verse 15, God tells Moses to tell the people to get moving. <clears throat> and sometimes we know we need to be doing something about the situation, but we can have a tendency to be perhaps be a little bit passive, and so nothing really changes. And so it's like a matter of prayer, trusting in God to do what only he can do, being open and listening and ready for action to play our part when he says, get moving. So he parts the sea, but we have to take the leap of faith to cross it. And there are many examples that we can think about in our lives, I'm sure, where God has made a way that perhaps there seemed no other way, but we have then had to do our part to kind of make that thing happen. And so what does this encourage us about? That God wanted to teach Israel that he was their true God and deliverer, that he was also their salvation, 
And the amazing thing about this is that it all points to Jesus. It all points to Jesus. And as Sarah said last week, he is our deliverer. He delivers us from our past, our sin, our wrongdoings. And he is also our salvation. So he rescues us because of the work of the cross. The fact that he died and lived a perfect life. He died for us in our place so that we can have a relationship with God. We can have all of those things forgiven in our lives. We can have a a complete fresh start. He wipes our slate clean and he gives us this amazing transaction where he comes into our lives when we ask him in to like help us and lead us through our life and to live for him. This amazing exchange takes place and we then have the hope of not just living in this world on our own, on our own decisions, but we have Jesus in and through us and we also have the hope of eternity and that is the future that we can all look forward to. And this is exciting that it all points to Jesus. He is our deliverer, our rescuer, and he is also our salvation. And so to sum up some of these great stories, let's have a look. Even though Moses and the Israelites were trapped, God provided a way of escape. Sometimes we can feel trapped and that we don't have the answers. And when we look back, we think, gosh, God, you really stepped in in that situation and you provided a way for me. And for us, We were trapped in all of our sin, yet because of Jesus' work on the cross, he provided that way of escape for us into a promised land, the promise of life with God here and in eternity. So if God is leading you along the long route, trust him and learn along the way. If we find ourselves descending into complaining and grumbling, bring it before God and deal with it. Do not let it get a root or a hold in your life. As we remember the faithfulness of God in the past, we can trust him with our future. And now to finish, I'd like to play a really personal, relevant song that I think kind of encapsulates some of what we've looked at in this story of the great exodus. And it is a song called The Same God. He is the same God today, yesterday, and forever. He does not change And what this song does, it reminds us about his faithfulness. And so if you're going through a really difficult situation at this time, you're feeling trapped, you just don't know what to do, I just want us to listen to these words and to be encouraged in our hearts that God remains, he is with us, and he is still faithful. He is the same God.
Yes, Father, we thank you for your faithfulness to us. And we thank you for the the things you've done in the past, a long time ago, and in our own past as well, and the stories that we've had amongst us. And we pray and ask, God, that you would continue to move in power in our lives to bring rescue, to bring healing, to bring freedom, and uh, to meet with us and to meet with those around us so they can experience your goodness for themselves. We thank you, Jesus, that you are with us through your Holy Spirit and that you are alive, winning for us eternal life. In your name, Jesus. Amen.